Week three of Valley Strategy, another amazing week of walking through our emotional health and figuring out the best way to go. Week one was fantastic. Our pastor brought a message called A Bad Day, How to Turn a Bad Day into a Good Day. Uh, week two was I'm Being Stretched. That was an interesting one. Uh, I, I was telling the, the 8 a.m. experience or the 8 a.m. service, I said I wasn't ready for I'm Being Stretched. I didn't wear the right pants. I was like, what? I'm not sure if I can if I can get ready for this, but I'm being stretched was powerful. Gave us a lot of uh, ways for us to work through bad situations. And today, what I want to talk to you guys about is kind of the uh, combination of the two of a bad day and uh, I'm being stretched. It's called the Valley Tour Guide. If you're taking notes, we're going to entitle today the Valley Tour Guide, and it's based out of one of the most uh, famously referenced verses uh, in scripture. I promise you, if you've never read your Bible before, and this is your first time ever encountering anything to do with church or God or scripture, you've probably heard this. Uh, if you've ever watched the movie Pulp Fiction, don't, don't judge me, y'all, but it's in there. Another one is Coolio. If you've heard Gangster's Paradise, you've heard the scripture before. Don't judge me again. Don't be spiritual with me now. This is, this is good stuff. The Notorious B.I.G. references this verse. Even the Marines have their own version of this verse, and it's all Psalms 23. Psalms 23. And uh, what I love about it is if, if the world can use it in their own avenues, in their own ways, it must be one powerful piece of scripture. And we're going to be unpacking that a little bit today. But what I want to do is I want to pray before we dive in. I can't just rattle off gangster's paradise without re-sanctifying this moment. Uh, so if you can uh, join me in prayer and we'll get this thing back on track. Amen. Uh, Father God, thank you, Lord, so much for this opportunity we have to learn and discover the Valley Tour Guide. Uh, God, we just pray that as we open up your word today, if you've given us a book, a, a, a piece of scripture of direction, God, that we can align our lives with so that we know what direction to follow. And so, Father, we just pray that today uh, you, un you unlock something new in our minds. You open uh, the door for us. You clear the blinds away so that we can see clearly the direction you want us to follow. And Father, we just want to give you all the, all the glory. Thank you again, Father, for allowing us to gather today as we dive into Psalm 23. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, like I said, we're going to be in Psalm 23. And if you've never read the Psalms before, it's a, a collection of different excerpts um, from various art, uh, authors, but the majority uh, of it is written by David. And this is the Psalm of David. And uh, it kicks off here in verse one. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. 
And I don't know about you, but that is such a powerful set of verses. And what I love about it is it's a great representation of a relationship that the father wants to form with us. And David is writing this down because he's discovering it for himself. This relationship that the father has shown David, he wants to show us too. And so what I want us to do is I want to unpack three big thoughts, three big takeaways. They're super simple, super practical that I feel is going to help you navigate uh, through life. But most importantly, it's going to help you navigate through the valley. Point number one here is it's God's desire to lead us. God's desire is to lead us. And in parentheses there, this is representing spiritual guidance. And again, I just love this imagery that David paints in Psalms 23, 1 through 3. We don't have to pull it up, but it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength and he guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. I love that, the imagery of a shepherd and its sheep. If you're taking notes, a shepherd is defined as someone who guides or directs in a particular direction. Guides or directs in a particular direction. And you know, shepherds in biblical time, they didn't have an easy job. Uh, Being a shepherd was hard. You were outside all day. It wasn't like they had AC. So outside, inside, what's the difference? But they were outside uh, shepherding sometimes hundreds of sheep. And uh, sheep don't necessarily want to go where you want to tell them to go. You got you to gotta shepherd them, but you have to make sure that they have everything they need to eat. And you want to make sure you pick out the right patch of grass. It has to be organic, you know, USDA choice. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you also want to make sure they're protected. You know, a large swarm of or a large herd of sheep is an easy target for a predator such as lions and bears. And so they would oftentimes have to fight them off. You'd have to make sure that you planned your route correctly, that you're not going uh, a long route, that you're going the quickest route to your destination, making sure they have a good place to sleep. It was hard. And what I think is funny is David knows about being a shepherd all so well. He knows about this relationship that God is trying to form with him. He himself was a shepherd for many, many years. And in fact, he never necessarily retired from being a shepherd because he just went being a shepherd boy in a field to a shepherd boy in a palace, shepherding hundreds of, and thousands of people as the king over all of Israel. It's one and the same. So we look at the king uh, of, of our faith, the father, God, the father. He's just a great shepherd and we are his sheep. So there's three little kind of points here that I want to kind of point out to you guys. And we see it in the text, what a shepherd does. And the first one here is he gives us rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. one of my favorite packs of verses is, It comes to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest, Jesus says. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. So we know that a shepherd wants to give you rest rest. Another one is he leads us. The father leads us. That's another uh, form of shepherding. It says here in Proverbs 16, 9, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. I love that. We plan what we want to do, but the Lord guides us. He redirects. He determines. He keeps us on track. Think about that. A a herd of sheep, hundreds, they all want to go separate ways, but The Lord guides them into the right direction. Another one here is he guides us. Leading and guiding are kind of different. Leading is up high. Guiding is alongside you, right with you. A shepherd guides. Psalms 32, 8a says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. So God isn't just up high telling you where to go. He's down low with you. 
guiding you, saying, I'm right here with you. Let's go this direction. Multiple times this imagery, the thought of God leading us, shepherding us, is brought up in this text. You know, as I was preparing for for this message, this thought kept popping into my mind. It was it just kept going over and over, no matter how many times I read it. And it's these two key questions um, that I want to I want to bring up to you guys. The first one here is: Do we recognize the voice of the Father? Do we recognize it? If God's desire is to lead us, are we taking the time to familiarize the person who's trying to lead us? Do we know what his voice sounds like? Do we know the direction he wants us to go? Are we listening to the GPS? Are we just turning it off and finding our own way? Are we taking time reading his word? Are we taking time praying, having a dialogue, letting him speak back to us? Are we getting plugged into a light group so that we can find a deeper understanding of this word that we're basing our life off of? Do we understand, do we recognize the voice of the Father? Do we trust in his ways over our own? That's the second question. Do we trust in his ways over our own? If God's desire is to lead us, do we truly believe he knows what's best for us? I love that worship song. I run to the Father. Do you? Do you run to the Father? Or do we make our own decisions based upon what we think? Do we really trust that God has the best plan for our life? And then the third question here is, will we allow him to guide us on the right path? I love, I love that key term there, allow. The spirit will force you to do nothing. But he will always try to point you in the right direction. It's our job to allow him. Our pastor said this many times before, the spirit is a gentleman. So he's not yelling at us like a whip or a drill sergeant saying, go this way. It's more like, hey, this thing. I do that when I'm mad when I'm driving. My wife always laughs at me. I point at the driver. I'm like, you there, you there, you there. What am I doing? I'm guiding you, please. I can't force them, but I'm like, you, that's the spirit. You go there. You go there. I love what Psalm says, the best pathway. He guides us along the best pathway. And I don't know about you, but I want God's best pathway for my life. And you see, the reason why I'm bringing this up is society, uh, this is very counterculture. <laughs> this, is, this does not come natural to us. In fact, this is not promoted at all. How many people do you see on social media, on Instagram saying, hey, base your life around the word of God. Let's make policy in America around the word of God. No, no, it's this is what I think is best. This is what I feel. This is what I believe. We're not saying, God, allow your word to influence our life. We're saying, God, how can I allow my life and my feelings to influence what you say? It's different. This is counterculture, letting God lead us. And heck, we, we all grew up with the song, Independent. You can sing it with me. I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T. Do you know what that means? I got my own house. I got my own car. Don't sing the rest. We'll cut it there. Really what God is wanting us to do is change the in to him. He wants us to be him dependent. He wants us to focus on him. And so this next point here is we need to go from being self-reliant to God-reliant. We need to go from self-reliance to God-reliance. And look, being independent in itself isn't necessarily bad. 
But do you know what independent really means? Pride. I can do it on my own. I don't need you. That's not God. God wants us to be him dependent. Take out the I-N and put H-I-M. It wouldn't sing the same, but you know, you can sing along yourself. I-H-A-I-M-D-E. I don't think it will work. But truly, if we, if we want God to lead us, we have to let him in. We have to let him in. We need to be him dependent. But why is this? Why should we put our focus on God? Why should we let him take this proverbial wheel, Jesus take the wheel? We've all heard it. Why? Well, it's because we're broken. We are some broken people. We do not get it right all the time. We know this. We can look at our lives and see that, but we can take it all the way back to the, to the start of it all and look at Adam. Adam was told to do one thing. Don't eat from that tree. And we love to blame it on Eve, but you can't tell me that Adam wasn't looking in that garden like, hmm, that tree. I wonder what that tastes like. Why can't I have that tree? I can eat everything else, but I want that one. And then once he had the opportunity, what did he do? He chose the wrong thing and he made a mistake. Why? Because we're broken. We're broken people. We don't always get it right. We don't always get it right. And I think this is, this is the reason why this is kind of sums it up. It's our way leaves us in pieces, but God's way leaves us with peace. Our way leaves us in pieces but God's way leaves us with peace. Even in the story of Adam, when he got it all wrong, God still had a plan. He still said, don't worry, we can make this work. I have what's next. I love this excerpt of scripture in John 14, 25 through 27, the message. It says, I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you, Jesus says. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. I underlined that because I think that's, that's bold. He will remind you of all the things I have told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Peace. I don't leave you the way that you're used to being left. Feeling abandoned, bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. Bereft just means deprived, lacking, sad, depressed. A lot of us can relate to that, right? But what God is saying is, I don't leave you that way. I leave you with peace. Your way may leave you in pieces, but my way leaves you with peace. And I don't know about you, but I want this peace that Jesus describes. I want this peace. I want God to lead me. And so here's three ways practically that we can start doing that. First way is you should read more. Get in your word. Let me tell you, his instruction right here. It's very, it's lots of pages says it multiple times, multiple different ways, so anyone can relate at any point. Another thing you should do is you should pray more. And not just pray, pray the way we're supposed to, having a dialogue. Pray, ask God, and wait for him to speak back. I wouldn't just want to walk up to someone and say, hey, I need you to give me your car. Thanks so much. Grab the keys and leave. I want them to, to speak into that process a little bit. We need to pray. We need to allow the other party to speak. Allow God to speak. And then lastly here, this is very practical. Reach out more. Let your spiritual community that God has placed in your life help you. Stop making all the decisions on your own and then everybody else find out after the fact. Because God can give you some input. He can help guide you through the people he's placed around you. Start reaching out more. You're not alone. Real practical. 
So now that we understand God's desire is to lead us, what's next? What's this next step? And I promise it gets even simpler. God's desire is for us to follow. God's desire is for us to follow. So if his desire is to lead, his desire is also for us to follow. This is in parentheses, self-control, self-control. Now, what I love about Psalms is the first three verses were real positive. Green meadows, peaceful streams, rest. Then verse four comes at you, darkest valley. So look, look to your neighbor and say, it's time to talk about the valley, the darkest valley. The one that none of us really want to get to, right? Valley strategy. Don't talk about the bad seasons. Well, I don't know about you, but I think when I was reading through this scripture, I found it funny that there's only one line that talks about the darkest valley. And it had me start thinking that a lot of times we don't go into these cliffhanger valley seasons. We don't go from this super high mountaintop and then it's like, boom, valley doesn't happen like that. Sometimes it does. Sometimes, you know, someone hits your car. That's a, that's a cliffhanger valley. Sometimes you get a medical uh, record or a bill that comes up that you didn't expect immediate valley. But a lot of times it's the slow descent off the mountain. It's the day by day, the moment by moment valleys that get us real low coming off the mountain, slow descent. And so it made me start thinking about this past weekend. It was an amazing weekend. Ladies flourishing. Wasn't that powerful? We had merch, food trucks, guest speakers, medical panel. It was amazing, amazing season. And then my amazing wife preached a Mother's Day message online. Wasn't that powerful? It was so good. And I remember I was sitting there. I'm smiling. I'm like, baby, you did so good. I'm sitting there. And now I'm like, Monday's coming. I'm like, I got a lot of work to do. We got to move all that furniture into storage. I got meetings meetings. I'm like, I'm not ready for this week. I got to preach this Sunday. Oh Lord. Then my kid got sick. I didn't share that. My kid got sick. I was like, great. That always happens. And look, don't get me wrong. I love my job. I love doing what I do. I love being the creative pastor here at Highlight. I've served here since the beginning. Uh, A lot of times it was voluntary. I just, I love doing what I'm doing. And so I started to think back, well, what was it like When I was at my old job, I was a pharmacy tech and uh, then a pharmacy trainer at CVS Pharmacy. And uh, the the safe word to say, because I don't like using the word hate, it's not it's not good to say that. I loathed. It's just another word to say hate. I hated that job. It, It was not I was not passionate about it. I didn't enjoy it. And I remember I would come off of these amazing Sundays. They were so pivotal. They were groundbreaking spiritual highs. Yeah. Monday, wake up at six, get to work, nine to five. It was terrible. And I remember I would go back every single Monday thinking it's the same problems, the same drama, the same workplace, the same employees and employers. It's the same clients that walk through the doors because here I deal with people and you guys are all happy because it's Sunday. It's on a high. These people are like, I want my medicine and I want it now. And I don't want to pay for it. Have you dealt with someone who doesn't want to pay for their meds? They ain't happy. They coming at you. And then you're dealing with insurance, which they don't really want to help you. Just keep clicking zero and you'll get to someone, I promise. That's the, that's the key if you have to call your insurance company. And then you got to deal with the legal things. If I give someone the wrong medication, I could go to prison because they could die. Wait. I'm like, God, I don't, why am I here? I don't want to be here. This isn't what you called me to do. 
I don't want to. And I felt stuck. And I remember I would come home in that pain and that drama and the frustration would follow me home and it would affect my marriage. It would affect my family, my home time, my kids. It would affect me. It would affect our church because I didn't want to produce. I didn't want to do anything. And I feel like a lot of us, we can relate to that. We don't love what we do. We feel stuck. We feel like it will never end. And we're sitting here questioning, God, where are you in all of this? What is your plan? Where are you calling me to next? And we're afraid because we're wondering, God, will this ever end? This can't be everything, right? This can't be what the rest of my life will look like. God, please know. We're afraid. So I want to give you this promise. When we are overcome with fear, God wants to draw near. God wants to draw near when we are overcome with fear. And one of the, my favorite little pieces of scripture here is found in Psalms 56, three It says, but when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? And it just made me think about this. God wants to help us. God wants to draw near. And all we have to do is take a mental pause and recognize, Father, you're right there with me. I'm not alone. You're right here beside me. If I just stop worrying for a moment, if I stop filling my minds with negative thoughts, if I stop trying to self-medicate myself by turning to drugs and alcohol and retail therapy that gets me farther into debt to try to medicate this pain and this depression and this nine to five that I really don't like, if I just turn to you, God, if I just recognize that you're right here beside me, that your rod and your staff, they comfort me, I can begin to recognize well, maybe you have me here for a reason. Maybe there is a purpose. Maybe I need to have the self-control and actually run to the Father, not run to myself. It says trust. I have to trust him. And so if God is leading us, point one, then that means God is with us. So why should we be afraid? Why worry? He's given us the right instructions, the direction to follow. Now it's up to us to walk it out. And so take a moment, look at your valley right now, whatever it is, maybe it's your nine to five, maybe it's some medical bills, maybe it's family drama, whatever it is. Take a moment and ask yourself these two questions. Did God lead me here? Because if God led me here, that means there's something here that I need to receive. That God, you have greater in store for me, which means that right where I'm at right now, you're developing me, you're pruning me, you're teaching me endurance. You're strengthening me. You're allowing me to be developed in this process. But I think it's also, it's also wise for us to ask ourselves the second question. Did my decisions lead me here? Did I lead me here? Did I allow my negative thoughts to take the wheel? And I stopped trusting God for a season. And now I find myself in this, this pit, this problem that I just can't seem to navigate out of. But what I love about the text is it doesn't matter if God led us there or if we led us there, God is still with us. And he looks at any situation that you find yourself in right now saying, I can use that to grow you. I can use that to make you better. If you just turn to me, I can get you out of this. You don't like your valley, I can guide you through it. Turn to the Father. He will show you the way out. I've learned over the years that God won't go through our problems for us 
but he does go through them with us. He won't go through them for you, but he will go through them with you. No matter what season you're in, no matter what valley you're looking at, the promise is this. God is with me. God has prepared me. God is leading me. I won't be forever. Your greater is yet ahead. I'm not stuck. I can find fulfillment and freedom in you. Turn to the Father. He will find and guide you the way out. He has me here for a reason. God, this valley, it'll grow me. God, this valley, it'll stretch me. But at the end of the day, Father, with you, I find comfort, I find peace, and you're making me better. God's desire is for us to follow, and when we do, he will lead us out of our valley. You don't have to figure it out alone. The guide is right there with you. Just refix your eyes on the Father. Don't extend your valley by trying to take control yourself. Allow him to guide you out. Then lastly here, point number three, this, this one's the simplest of them all, is God's desire is to bless us. Parentheses, this is spiritual resource. What I love in Psalm 23, 5 through 6 is it says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows. Your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so I want to leave you with this one final thought, an equation of sorts. This whole valley guide is an equation. If you, if you allow him to lead and you follow, the result is blessing. Leading plus following equals blessing. One of my favorite verses in scripture, in fact, it's my life verse. If you don't have a life verse, you should get one. You can make it this one. I won't judge you. I had it first, though. But it's Matthew 6.33, and it says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. You see, this equation that we find in Psalms 23 is laid out right here. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Lead. Let God lead. Live righteously. Follow. And he will give you everything you need. Blessing. Lead. Follow blessing. And I just remember the moment that I gave my life to Christ. I finally decided to turn to him. I was at a church and I I prayed the prayer of salvation and I was so hesitant. They're like, raise your hand if you want to say yes. I'm like real low. I, I was, I was nervous, but I started to feel this push. Just lift that hand up high. I remember once my hand lifted, I just started crying. And I didn't understand really why then, but now looking back on it, I do. It's because I was so weighty. It was because I was running on so much of Chris. It was so much of me. I was trying to hold everything together, build everything, keep things from falling apart. And in that moment, I just felt the weight lifted off my shoulders. I felt light. It was because I recognized that God was saying, I'm here with you. I want to carry this weight for you. In fact, you don't have to try to figure it out alone. I already have the answer you're looking for. You just need to look to me. It doesn't matter what I did or what I tried to build or the mistakes that I made. God was just saying, I'm here for you. Let me help. And for days and weeks after, I began to see how everything changed. When you give your life to Jesus, it's like a fire bursts. And you have this fire and it wants to engulf all of the negative things in our life as fast as possible. 
And so I began to read my word daily. I just had this insatiable desire to be in his word. I prayed constantly. My house was filled with worship music. And I began to see how things began to shift in my life because of this decision. I was more joyful. I was more grateful. The relationships in my life began to improve. And I wasn't in the best season of my life, I'll be honest. But all of a sudden, I saw things from a different perspective. I saw what God saw, that I was not what I was struggling to uphold. I saw the blessing and the promise and how God saw me, not the pieces, the brokenness, the failure that I saw. And everything began to change. You see, when we seek God's kingdom, when we allow him to lead and we follow, we receive everything we need. I want to leave you with this big takeaway. This is the, the icing on the cake. If you want to wrap this all up in a present, this is what you get. Your yes will leave you blessed. Your yes will leave you blessed. All you have to do is say yes to receive this blessing. When we say yes, we receive everything we need in return. When we lay our life down, we get to pick up a new one in him. You see, God wants to lead you. You don't have to do it alone anymore. And when we follow, the result is a blessed, filled life. It's a life where everything that we could need, any answer that we need answered, is offered. It's given. And it doesn't mean hardships won't come. Don't get me wrong. They'll still come. Darkest valley, remember? But even in our darkest moments, he prepares a table for us. Even when we feel uh, pushed to the side and not good enough, he anoints our head with oil. He overflows our cup. When we feel like what's the point of continuing on, he allows us to remember that his goodness and unfailing love is pursuing us and that this life isn't the only life that we live. We get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we say yes, we are blessed. That's all that God is asking for is your yes. And when you take that step, his blessing will follow. Church, if you enjoyed this message today from the word, if you can give it a round of applause. Thank you so much for joining us today.